0: So hello and welcome to episode 5 of ID Cast. My name is Brad Harper and I am an industrial design recruiter. And this is definitely not the probably the 80th time I've tried to record this intro. I've absolutely no idea how we've made it to episode 5. Thank you everyone for listening to us. Um, this week it's, um, as always, me, Drew and Emma. Um, today we're joined by Ben King and Luke Gray from COA. If you don't know who COA, COA are, give them a quick Google. It's Reinventing the World of Bedding. Two former uh, Joseph Joseph designers pursuing kind of personal projects, which has now reached kind of, you know over two hundred percent of its Kickstarter target. Um, we talk all about Kickstarter, um, how that works, and um, how any industrial designer can kind of pursue that personal project and see if it has the potential for for any kind of commercial gain. So um, sit back, relax, enjoy. I'd say listen to this one in the garden, but the weather's absolutely miserable. So, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in, and uh, catch up soon. I'm presuming... I'm presuming that... uh, you made the bed okay this morning. <laughs> <laughs> this is our yes. this is the, this is our first world record holder on on the podcast. I don't know if I don't know if you or Emma know, but Ben, do you still hold the record for making the bed the quickest?
1: Well, it's it's um, I proudly do. Um, I'm, I'm proudly in the Daily Express newspaper this week or week before. Um, so we have to, we we broke the world record for. Um, Well, I'll explain the technicalities later. We beat the world record time for fitting a duvet cover with our new design. Wow. Uh, Because it's not comparing like for like. I don't think Guinness Guinness will give us a uh, certificate.
2: I had no idea there was a, a time before I saw your video. I thought th- that was news to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good lockdown challenge, if anyone's feeling
3: Yeah, there. yeah there's, there. there's
0: no way I'm doing it in 28 seconds. I don't know about you guys.
2: <laughs> it's more like 28 minutes for me, honestly. I hate doing the bird. I am so excited to talk to you guys because you've just invented something that I didn't realise I needed so badly. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh,
0: I thought I'd start the podcast just by... Let I, I did this like I don't. I'm gonna. I do put everyone under pressure and ask if you've actually listened to it before. You can just kind of say yes and but actually no. That's absolutely fine. That that's happened before. Um, but I normally start every episode by naming a country of where we've had a viewer. Last week was the Philippines, which I thought was fascinating. But we've actually managed to beat that with Estonia. We have had a listener in Estonia, and I think that is just fascinating cheers. so cheers to the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. our one viewer of estonia um so <laughs> next week i don't know we might hit, we might hit africa next week or something i just think that'd be mental if we could somehow find a listener in well, uh, we're planning
3: to uh post this on to our to our kickstarter audience um so we've had people backing from all over the world so we'll see wow. who- where's Pick the weirdest place you've had backing oh you got up eric There's a good one uh i think that was macedonia It was very early on very Thank
2: key you. nice
1: um and we and we, we, were, we were getting loads of shipping prices and estimating where the percentage breakdown from which countries would be and it really wasn't our estimation at all yeah. you got it there luke
3: yeah, yeah just
0: um, you, you'll be spending more money on shipping than the actual duvet itself
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a stressful part because you can't count for every country but um Taiwan, uh, Europe's been very popular, and obviously
0: the US and the UK. Wow, cool. So just um, tell our one viewer of Estonia um, who who you guys are and, and what you do, um, and uh, just give us the, the the little rum view of, of Koa and how it all came about and all that kind of stuff.
1: Shall I give this spielic?
4: Uh, yeah, you start.
1: Have you nailed it down there, have
4: you? I was going to say, I'm expecting this to be really tight. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is the friendly design skill. So my, so my, my and Luke are both industrial designers who really love like inventive products. So we started COA two years ago, um, I guess, we, yeah, to, to develop products that kind of solve a problem and are a bit inventive. And, and we've been working on um, focusing in on on bedding. So two weeks ago, we launched our inventive bedding brand after two, two um two years of work on this and our first product is an easy change duvet cover so as we were chatting it's it's um a record-breaking duvet cover but it's all it's mainly our our aim with this first product was to make a duvet cover that's delightfully easy to fit um and yeah so back it's kind of been a for us it's been a great journey it's been a we've got a background in design but the journey's been in making the idea real Mm -hmm.
3: yeah i think we both obviously come from a design background but Since we've known each other at university, we've always been entrepreneurial minded. Um, And we'd floated around a lot of ideas, we were both working on different projects. Um, We were trying to decide what we wanted to do next, and it was launching our own businesses what we really wanted to do and launching our own products. And we set ourselves a few criteria um, to try and find what we wanted to develop. Um, One it had to be a, a product or an industry that hadn't been disrupted by innovation. Ben and I had spent time at Joseph Joseph and we'd seen what you know inventive everyday products could do. Um, secondly, we got really interested in textiles uh, because there's no tooling cost or the tooling costs are very minimal. So, you know, with hardware and, and plastics, you need you know, expensive injection mold tools. Um, and then finally, we set ourselves the goal of finding a product in, every, in everyone's homes. Just, to, you know, if the product's in everyone's homes, we know there's a market there for it. Um, mm that's where we started getting interested in bedding and immediately, you know, the biggest problems in bedding, uh, arose to the top and that, and that was changing the duvet cover. Um, but the real moment, the real like aha moment was, you know, we were speaking to family and friends and my grandparents can't change the duvet cover, um, due to the strength and dexterity required to do that. Um, so, you know, if we felt like if we could, Help those that struggle the most. We can make the product better for everyone, um, and that's when we start the journey of sort of reinventing the duvet
4: cover. That's a really hmm. nice succinct way into kind of addressing, uh, you know, desirability, feasibility, viability. Looking at fabrics because the tooling costs are low. <laughs> I just think that's really smart. That's just sort of eats through a lot of uh, the fear of starting your own business. It's like, how am I going to pay for all this stuff? Just <laughs> make it make it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> find something that's like your feasibility find something that's that's kind of easy to make but something as well that's um that's in everybody's home i think that's awesome and then desirability when you get to that that human view of the uh like there being uh, a challenge you know like a physical dexterity challenge as well and something that ultimately once you get once you in your bed and it's nice and comfy, that's really, really nice. Like everyone likes a super comfy bed, right? So <laughs>
3: exactly, yeah, yeah. and uh, I think the textiles thing—we neither Ben and I have done much work textiles, so that did present challenges in just learning about the industry, that, and it's partly why it's taken us two years. I think you know we've also been learning about launching a business, but if it'd been within the fields we know, it, it, I think it would have been quicker. But um, we really enjoyed that process and. Had yeah. a uh, great time finding and uh, We've ended up set, settling on Portugal. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, we're now experts within textiles.
0: <laughs> does that does does that help when thinking? Because I'd imagine that Co is not just going to be bedding, and then that's it. There is obviously must be some sort of just knowing how Joseph Joseph works in terms of its just range of products. There must be kind of a a long term thinking of what it could be. So, combining that knowledge of textiles to what you've learned before is that where you, that, now you've
1: got that grounding of textiles, could that kind of help? I guess we've, we've uh, there's a few angles on that. So we've, we've invested a lot in learning about textiles and building relationships. We've met some amazing factories. Um, and for us, that's, that's where we've put a huge amount of effort in like finding people we be proud to work with. So it feels like it'd be silly to move too quickly into like a completely different product. And I think there's also been, it's been a bit of a lesson for us. Um, kind of, it's been like, we've seen brands um, kind of like spread too broad and there's some value in from a business and brand perspective in focusing. Um, so for us, I think the, the near term dream is just to really nail being inventive with bedding and having some fun doing that. So I think as soon as lockdown started, we, we kicked off another project, um, kind of like just trying to dig into the problems around fitted sheets and we want to see if we can make like the most inventive fitted sheet. Um, so maybe that maybe the ambition is like a brand, um, it's just been really inventive in bedding products. Um, yeah. I just see a massive partnership with Netflix or something. Yeah, yeah.
2: Netflix and chill with KoA. <laughs> yeah, Netflix and chill. I just
0: with KoA. I think that is that's the angle that you guys should be looking at. You're on the marketing Yeah. <laughs> How have you? That's a good question. Well, I've not me marketing, but just in terms of obviously you guys are designers, but but in terms of now you're running a business. What are the extra hats you've got had to put on now that you hadn't had to put on before? And were the hats that you've been putting on now you just wasn't really aware of? What, what, what's it actually like in terms of putting a business, launching a business? What's that process like?
1: Yeah, well, it definitely feels very much like we're still, still, um, still in the middle of one thing. I think the most satisfying learnings for me have been around, about, uh, kind of for me personally, has been sourcing and marketing. We put a lot, we've seen and you read loads of stories of Kickstarters fail miserably because they kind of just don't treat sourcing and finding a factory seriously enough and um, mm. getting the price right. And so you see loads of people sell hundreds of whatever product is they're doing on Kickstarter and not able to deliver. So we, we put in loads of effort into that and we were really lucky to have um, an old colleague who, who set up supply chains in, for multiple com- companies. Mm. He's been giving us some pro advice. And, and then we've really made, I think we've gone the extra effort there to go and visit Portugal. Um and just put a lot of energy in it because we knew it's a place other people fail. And we and I think as designers we love making things, so we, we take a lot of satisfaction in visiting the factories and learning about how stuff's made. That that's all really fun. And then the marketing is the mad one. I think I think I was a very idealistic designer probably. I really did believe a, a great idea will sell itself. Um but actually actually it really is amazing of like you get on a newsletter on this, we've got this Kickstarter live now, and then suddenly you see. Like we went on one newsletter and then we saw twenty people immediately buy as soon as the newsletter went live yesterday. I think uh, we've learned so much about marketing. We could we could we could do your marketing podcast probably more. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I find that really satisfying as a designer learning learning because I think the marketing is so important. Mm -hmm. Learning how to do that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of the phase we're at now. If what we're trying to do is that we have something that we shall show to. Parts of Estonia, but it's about making sure that more parts of Estonia and you know other parts of it. It's, it's, it's we're kind of we're not on a similar journey in terms of yours is a much bigger scale that we're trying to do, but it's an interesting parallel, I suppose, in terms of uh, of, of where you're, where you're coming so from. Many
3: hats, and we've learned so much. Like, really enjoyed learning lots of new skills, and we've. I think a big lesson for me is just asking, you know, asking for help um, before you know. I always feel. You know, I'd be unsure about approaching someone, I especially someone I don't know, um, for help. But yeah, people say no, but so many people, when you say I'm an entrepreneur, I'm trying to start this business, so many people are willing to help. And we've reached out to, and had so much support and help in these new areas and these news learnings from you know lots of different advisors um, who are just you know, excited to, to share their thoughts and, and um, help us make COA what we think it can be. Yeah,
0: I'm really interested to find out when. When was that moment when you two sat down and was like, uh, "Was you both at Joseph? Joseph at the time, or was it just like a a pint after work or something?" And it was like, "We should just do our own thing." How did that? How did that relationship form? It's
4: not like they'll ever hear, so you can say what you want. Like, no, (laughs) Joseph.
1: I think it was. I think we both really had it in us, and we were quite close friends. We both knew we were very similar. Uh, in like goals and how we were driven. So we, I think at the time we've both been working on um, separate projects. I've been, been working, I've literally spent two years in my evenings and weekends grafting on this um, idea for a keyboard. Luke had been doing something similar for like this inventive lamp, bedside lamp. And then like Luke was saying that the, the tooling and the costs and all the other things when you kind of, we kind of spent all this energy on the, our own. These were separate personal projects we hadn't done together. Mm. And it's just so many challenges doing something on your own um and then we saw like the tooling costs you know for the keyboard I was like can i do this can i make it and that's kind of how we formed this brief that luke kind of mentioned that when we kind of focus in on koara these kind of logical decisions of what we want in a dream company and and uh, i think we saw so much value in teaming up treating something seriously i think um i'd had it so i i was just my girlfriend just took a job in new zealand so i promised to go join her for, for six months and so that was like right i've got six months to kick something off um and so i think i think I think I approached Luke and was like, I'm really keen to do something. And, and he was on board. Um, and then that, that's when we more just like looked at our projects that we had been working on separately. And we were really critical of like, okay, if we're going to do something, what should it be? Mm. Uh, and we just started COA quite logically at the beginning. Uh, it's probably over two years ago now. Um, mm. And
3: uh, yeah, you, were, you had um, you'd just gone to New Zealand and I finished it, just, Joseph and I had, was on a six-month contract with Beryl, the cycling tech startup. Uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, we've, had quite an, we've got quite an unorthodox co-founder relationship because uh, Ben returned from New Zealand uh, for two weeks and then I've, I moved permanently to Chicago. So we're rarely in the same country. <laughs> um, so we rely heavily on things like Slack, um, yeah. communicate. But um, huh. since then, I, I travel back uh, every now and then, obviously not at the moment, but um, we've managed to make, make it work.
1: Hmm. And, and at, so at the beginning, like I, I, for me, it was this was, child was chasing this computer keyboard for a while and trying to make it happen on your own. I think the value in in doing something, particularly in the early stages when something looks so raw and you've got, you know, it's kind of when you tell someone you've got an idea or you work on this thing, but it's in the early stages, it's quite depressing to tell your friends what you're up to because you don't have much to show for you, yourself. Yeah. But when you're doing it with a friend, you've got that extra energy, the extra skills to inject. Um, I think, like at the beginning, say I had a really busy month, or if I wasn't well for a week, but I knew Luke was cracking on a bit and vice versa, you, I think it's quite motivating. Yeah. Or if you know your partner's really grafting on a project, um, it motivates you to really, right, I need to hmm. step up and so we can do it. So I've never, never regretted partnering up to launch. Yeah. Would that, would that be advice then to designers right now that are
0: thinking about, pers- you know, there'd be people out there a lot more time on their hands and they might be thinking, maybe now's the time that I can pursue a personal project would that be some advice you'd give Then find a colleague yeah. find someone to
1: it's not it, easy though is it you've the person uh, you partner with you've really got a you've really got to trust and i don't know you've got to be um like so i i think me and luke are close friends and I, there's not a lot of other people i could have approached i'm going to lose friends on this podcast now aren't i but um <laughs> uh, quite specific you look for in a, in a business partner yeah um, mm. I don't think there's a lot of other people I could have approached or it would okay. work with. I think you've got to be aligned in what you're, you're chasing. So me and Luke both love these kind of inventive products. We love design. We love, but if you find that person, <laughs> keep them.
3: <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah. But, yeah further to the personal projects, uh, I'm a big fan of personal project. And, you know, it, it, just find something you enjoy doing in your spare time and it'll turn into, you know, it makes it much easier to turn it into your full-time job. Um, <laughs>
4: Yeah, one of the things you often hear is like how you deprioritize your own um, your own adventure. Uh, but if you've got a buddy, you know, you um, you have someone that you like, you you, you always have a bit of a burden or you like, you owe them something or you can feel like that as well. And, and then you know that they're supporting you too. And I, I'd say like from what you described as well, that kind of helps you stay to it a little bit as well, rather than go, oh, I'll get to that thing, you know, when I've got a minute, you know. Gives you a bit of focus, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And you can bounce ideas off each other as well. I think that's like the most important thing.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, I think there was times at the beginning where, where probably oh yeah, our biggest biggest of, of myself and Luke, one of the biggest downfalls is we've got such an overlap in skill set. We're very similar. It means we're really aligned and we're chasing the same thing. <clears throat> um, but then, but um, yeah, we're, we're dream world. You might be a bit more different and have a bit more varied skills between us. Um, but I think there was a time where, when we were starting, when I don't know, like, uh, we, we went through like, a am thinking about like the design council accelerator program. So we might put in an ex, uh, application for that and I, I might work on it. Then I hand it into Luke and he has his bit on it. it was doing something in a, in a, as like a duo. When we did stuff together, we upped the quality of it. Yeah. Think we did it individually, whoever did it, but it was something really satisfying of like, okay, can we get this, this email matters. Can you have a look at it? And then kind of just push something to the next level. Yeah. Um, I did see that picture of you two and Deborah Meaden.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so uh, in terms of that investment, was that part of that? Was it, was it the Design Council? Is it Spark or something? Am I wrong in saying that or am I right? What, what, what is that and how did you get involved with that?
3: Uh, yeah, fun, fantastic program run by the Design Council. It's like a small accelerator. Um, each year they take 10 uh, ten startups on board and um, they give them three months tuition and funding to help realize ideas um mm. i i'd already applied for uh, and didn't quite make the cut previously they, they're looking for inventive ideas and the, i think the idea i had before wasn't as inventive um but yeah we went through a few rounds um the application with the cover cover um and it was literally like literally was a jump in the air moment when we got onto the program it was a big mm. Boost in confidence, and you know, you, you show friends and family your projects, and they're, all, they're always positive, which is nice. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to back us with some funding, uh, and support, you yeah. know, felt like we were on the right track, sure. um, and some validation for like the past few years'
1: work yes. we've really done. That. No, it's nice, but, but just, just the point on Deborah there, she she was she presented. So we this was a grant, so it was, and and that many, you know, it was really vital for us but she presented this grant and this award at the you know, thing, um, and then we we really pushed that press photo and now we we even recently we've been having people email us like i haven't seen this episode of dragon's den did i miss it <laughs> <laughs> the line council just brought her in as um it's the power of the meeting uh, i think or, or i think she's an advisor to the, to the to the program or she helps helps with the event but she she was
3: we did pitch to her but uh yeah it was she was friend then she is on the dragon's, dragon's den
1: <laughs> what's it like when you're given
0: that funding is it a pressure to then like oh, it's a bit long crap I've got all this money to, or do you kind of know already okay this is what I'm going to
1: do you well, that's, it, or... we told them we knew what we were going to do Yeah. Then, <laughs>
3: that,
1: that, no, that we, I think the thing that's really important for us is is it's all self-funded so we were maybe a year and a year and a half we we're working on this it's self-funded um, and you can get so far and you're so careful like we we I think with cutting costs on silly, you know, just things like prototypes. Okay. we're trying to make this all the people we're working with to make prototypes. We're, we're mm. really cutting corners because we're, finance is so tight. It's, it's, but then like, I think the first grant we got was a 15 grand grant from the design council. And that I, I noticed like, we were, like, we just sat down to decide, okay, what really matters? Where should we spend money? And, and it made such a big difference to be like spending some money on the things that really matter, really raise that game. Um, and, I think for me, that, so we really had to fight for this first grant of 15, 15 grand. But the difference it mm-hmm. made to us starting a business, and, and it really, really was the only grant available in the UK. You, maybe if you start selling shares before you even, even got a business, you sell shares in it. But that's a bit mm-hmm. depressing. And we knew we didn't want to do that. Yeah. And, and as two designers desperate to get a product to market, and we, we purposely chose a very simple, like Luke was saying, textiles, to, to, we wanted to get this there ourselves. There's no grants available to help people do this. Um, and a lot of them were titled, um, groundbreaking innovation was like a requirement. And our passion is, is just like improving these everyday products, you know, mm-hmm. solving, small, solving these everyday problems. And they're things that aren't really, that are kind of like groundbreaking innovation. They're kind of looking for like the next augmented, augmented reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I really wish there was more available for, for designers mm-hmm. just, just really improving everyday products. Yeah. And so that's why this meant, like Lou was saying, it really means so much to us because it was the only grant available that we could, if we could win it, it was the only one we could
4: get. And and it's it's made this possible. I mean, you raise a good point there about um, like the value of a USP rather than the value of like just a nuanced improvement um, to a a user experience. And how as a designer, it can be really difficult to sell that nuance because you've got to have like the, the flashy headline um and sometimes just like it just feels really good isn't quite enough to spark interest
1: yeah 100 i think i think i guess we like to think in a world of bedding as is groundbreaking innovation yeah. uh, <laughs> like a super recent invented product and it was that's like even with this grant we were pitched up against um kind of like high-tech drinks water filtering systems and things like and it was quite funny to be standing there pitching for what, what was a, a duvet cover but it was you know, in, in the world of duty covers, it is inventive, and we're kind of proud of this simple everyday product. Um, yeah. But you, I know, I know, and I know what you mean. Isn't it? I think, but you're, you are seeing a lot of these brands shine through now. That that is just like beautifully designed, well made, mm. um, and there is like a following for these products and brands. Pro- probably, um, probably at, at the kind of design we like doing, and like this brand of inventive bedding, it pro- we probably want to lean into these products that do have a bit of a story, a bit of a USP. Mm-hmm. um and it may you know if you do it badly it can be a, it can it can be pretty horrible um but i think if you you know if, if you also care about how it's made and if you also care that it's a really beautiful product um i think that's where we love being is, try, is trying to make mm-hmm. these invented products it
0: it sounds very much similarly into the, into the way you're describing it very similar to how joseph de- joseph describes itself um i remember i've never seen a group of people be more enthusiastic about a bin before um than, than going <laughs> up there um, i don't, it's just it's just um it's it's just that kind of um all about solving an everyday problem it's, that is yeah. that is what the, the business is built built around it seems like you've, you've taken that
1: on is that yeah. like a, a mindset thing that uh, Anton rich so is a homewares brand in, in uk and Joe's joseph i think we we worked for them I think we both started out in, a, in like an ideas team they had to like raise the level of ideas they had internally mm. and um, I think we for sure we've been really inspired by um, their thinking their approach um, um, and they they, they they strive for these inventive products so one hundred percent we uh, revalued our time working with them um, i think I think when I first joined them there was something really refreshing in a really ambitious brand that wants to mm. that wants to raise the game of their products that's kind of what i loved about joseph joseph and i was really proud to be there they were kind of they weren't happy doing me too homewares
2: Mm,
1: Um, yeah that's what we end up doing i guess i really you know i'd love that association with joseph joseph
2: it's that same idea as well isn't it of if you feel like you can use that product every day you feel like you've succeeded i guess you know we i think we discussed this in, in a previous podcast where um if you're designing for like first class um first class airplane seats chances are you're never going to use that it's not as satisfying as you actually designing something that you can see benefit in it personally you know i guess it's a different kind of different kind of experience
1: not designing for the one percent yeah exactly i think there's something so fun about designing products that everyone uses you can go around a friend's house and see it there um
2: yeah yeah definitely
1: myself personally i'm not i don't i don't love uh, i feel like the sexy in industrial design world is like the bluetooth speakers and the headphones i think that's not where i get my kicks uh we're similar in that i mean luke it's it's these yeah these everyday products that that your grandma uses but so does your best mate
3: everyday products and unloved tools we've been looking at a lot
0: (laughs) it it really is one of those products where you look at you watch the video of, of of your kind of ad campaign and generally it's like why have i never thought of that but like it's just such a simple idea now i'm in my mid-20s and bedding has not changed since i've been alive and it's probably not changed much for donkey's years it's one of those kind of mad moments when you go yeah that's actually a really good idea isn't it and you just go and you can you can see it in everyone's homes because there's not one person out there that likes making the bed in the morning it's a it's a real pain point for people not just kind of the grandparents but everyone um so it must be when you have an idea like that is it is it like a pressure to deliver on it or is it a case of we know we've got a really good idea so it's it's all just about kind of making things as as best as possible or is it you just want to get it out there get it into the market um what things have you kind of
3: of all of that like sometimes we're like like okay, we've really solved this problem. We've got a great product at time's so right. Like, is this the right thing? <laughs> um, but, but we go back to the testing and we know it. We, we can see, you know, we, we know it's the right thing. Um, so, I think that's more just uh, like learning to launch a business and, and the ups and downs of that. Um, it, it has turned out like the product has, does get some marmite reactions. So, not everybody likes the zip on the top of the bed. Um, but we... That was something that came up early on and we've, we've, we've worked into the design to, to alleviate those concerns and worries. Um, and the current construction we have, which is a zip down the middle on the top and then two zips at the bottom, is the easiest way to change it and it allows access to every corner within an arm's length. Um, we tried lots of different variations of zippers and um, you know lots of different constructions, but what we have is the most effective way to change the bed. And I think... Part of it is like, yes, everyone has these standard duvet covers. So for pump, for some people, having the sit down the middle is not normal, and they're obviously not early adopters. But um, yeah, it's, it it got to the point where like, you know, we 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 had confidence in the design. We'd done lots of testing. We knew it was much better, and it was time to really test that and put it out into the market. Mm-hmm. And that's um, where we got Kickstarter, which we've had
4: a fantastic start with. We've still got about half. So to that point, can I can I just ask like how did you um, how did you maintain uh, confidence in the design in that stage when you're getting those kind of questions and you're like that's something we've locked on we know that it it works as a functional uh, solid reason for putting this in how did you how did you sort of maintain that confidence and keep pushing it through?
3: Yeah, I think uh, just lots of testing um so we we take it would either be photos if we were just with friends and family and quite formal um or it'd be taking covers around to to like dinner parties or you know like groups of friends and we'd get, gather them in in in, the, in a bedroom and get them to change the cover and we'd talk through all the details and we'd keep making iterations to the design and we saw improvements in in, in those comments
1: maybe i can add that i i think it is it is a mental roller coaster isn't it i think every project i've ever worked on any company you'll think like is this right and then some days you're on a real high like oh, we've nailed this and then you're panicking about a detail next week i think every project's like that but the, this one um it's i guess it's for us it's, it's our own brand like it's, it's our own thing it's the first time we've done it for us so maybe that's why um it felt more of a roller coaster but um yeah i, I think there's also a thing about we, we knew it was a bit Marmite. We? You know, in the world of duvet covers, we put a zip in the middle, we've made something a bit different. This is a duvet cover with a unique opening, so a very sem- central, proud opening on the cover. Um, it is a really simple idea, and it does come across to some people, like, why has no one done this before? But in other people, it was Marmite. And I think we could have solved this problem in different ways. In some ways, it would have been more subtle that you wouldn't have even noticed. But then it would have hmm. been like any other duvet cover, and people wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been a thing. Hmm. So I think we were quite proudly a bit different and proudly a bit Marmite. Um, yeah, what's
0: the industry reaction been to
1: the cover and fact that is a little bit different from the factories? It's been really awesome. Like the mm. factories are super excited that someone's people are um, people are different. and they all they all say that of like you know like our clients have come to us and said, can you can you know ask for similar things or they want like my boss keeps like the fact you know we had there was a a factory owner uh, or a factory agent said, oh my boss keeps telling me that we need to do something you know be inventive with our bedding. This is it. He'll love this. The fact has been awesome, and I think the, the response of like interior design press from our Kickstarter has been really awesome. Um, but j- just to come back to your point, Kendrick was for me. It's like you have got testing. I think it's it's about you also got to have a vision. You have got to be like confidence in it. If you if you test and you get some marmite reactions, I think you've really got to believe in yourself. And we, you know, we we love this. We're doing this. I think there's been a bit of that too. Of uh, it's just we, we have some confidence in this. We want to stay true to. Well, our idea—it doesn't—we're well, not. Everyone has to love it.
4: Um. No, it's nice to get that resonance testing, and it sounds like if you were taking it to your uh, not to your friends, and mixing with people who you imagine would be within your demographic, dare I say? Uh, and if you're getting that feedback from them, then that's you know that that's got to fill you with with enough to carry on for that you know a, a little bit further and a little bit further each time.
1: Um, I've never worked on a project where like user testing. Um, is is like you can just go yep yeah, that's it got it we've nailed it yeah. you know, you've got to have some self-belief in what you're doing and you've got to have like a vision for the project and think like have we it's, um, I, I, it's, I find it frustrating when you work on projects for some companies and they lean on he- testing to answer all the questions mm-hmm. so for me it's also about you kind of marrying it with your vision
4: yeah 100% um, it's, it's, it's nice for guidance and of course it's good to, to to check and the ways in which you use it are you know varied as well but um yeah i've definitely worked with teams that are too dependent on that and that won't that that have no um accountability for the decisions made in the design process early on and will keep deferring back to what does the market say what does the what do the users say and if you've got something that's different then that can be very misleading
1: but, um i
0: always remember a time where um when the earpods first came out and i just thought everyone looked absolutely ridiculous with these things on and now i couldn't be seen without them and it, <laughs> even 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 when they first came out, i thought that was rubbish i mean who would wear who would wear something like that and now you look like an absolute idiot if you don't have them on so it i'm sh- it, it changes over time does not it in terms of people's behaviors and and yeah. stuff And now yeah so in, in terms of the, the kickstarter stuff is it what you expected in terms of the success that you've had so far—did you have expectations in your mind of, of 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 what it was going to be?
3: We uh, yeah, we we've we've had lots of friends do kickstarters and we've chatted to them, and it's so hard to gauge where we might end up um, or, or where we were going to go. But um, yeah, we had a fantastic start. The middle has been a little slower than we than we'd hoped, um, and we've been looking at some different ways to generate generate um, pledges and that's involved like just different ways of marketing and, and that's been a big learning curve for us mm. uh, there's lots of reading you can do on these on different marketing techniques and you can try and understand them beforehand but <laughs> you can't actually start implementing them until you're like really into the campaign and then it, it's uh, it's all live and it's all going so that's been a big learning curve um, mm. but yeah we, you had a great start and we're hoping for a like a, a good pickup at the end um, mm. So what, maybe, what was what was the
0: of the strategy? Because you've had some really, really good press that I could see in terms of Daily Mail, for example. Is that was that part of the thinking?
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. Ben Ben's been leading press. We kind of split up on, on different marketing tasks. Bren's done an amazing job of um, of yeah, like we were we were in Fastco, Core seventy seven, and then and then a load of national newspapers. Yeah, so, yeah, you wait for
0: these when these Estonia audiences start coming in, then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, then you. See. Been uh,
3: <laughs> I think that was one thing that surprised us. Is the Kickstarter platform is quite tricky to understand for someone that's never backed on Kickstarter, um, and if you actually look at our project. On, on some of the tracking sites uh, our percentage of new backers like new people to the platform is quite high compared to other projects so okay. that's I think that that's probably come from the press but yeah the press the press I think is great for validation like when someone visits a page they see the press but the conversion hasn't been as high as we'd hoped um, and I think that's partly yeah just the the platform itself is is quite different so now we're trying to target the Kickstarter users the Kickstarter backers um, we think yeah, we can get better performance there by targeting people that already understand the site and how it works. Maybe,
1: maybe just to put this into context for people then, so we, we came onto Kickstarter with a goal of 25K because that, that would allow us to open our production line in mm. sort factories of in Portugal we're working with and that would allow us to meet our minimum orders to, to invest in the tooling that there is for textiles. Like Interesting fact is like minimum order for, for like one color or one pattern is, is t- two kilometers on average of fabric. So that that was our goal was we wanted to hit 25k so we could open a production line um but then you there's all these mad stories on there of people raising loads um Luke's got a close friend who's kind of on his third campaign in the millions and um so we we, we kept moving the goal ourselves of like what do we want out of this yeah like yeah. you, you dream it might be millions but I think one big takeaway and 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 So in, yeah, in context at the moment, we're on just kind of coming up to fifty k, four hundred almost, four fifty backers, kind of background yeah. territory. Um, it's, it's about two weeks ago, isn't it? About two weeks ago, yeah. and I think definitely a takeaway is um, we, it's like every, we've done Kickstarter for other companies before, but first time for ourselves. And but every time you do it, Kickstarter is so much harder than you imagine. You know, putting on there, it's like you kind of you and and it's not healthy. You refresh the page is it moving it's a real 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 um unhealthy mental battle and and kind of trying to get it marketing and moving um yeah. but yeah, we've, had,
0: point, we've had we've had 500 listeners and i've listened to it 307 times
1: it's just me <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and me and luke have, have both bought ourselves a duvet cover as well so that so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, giving everyone christmas
4: presents yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> of so, no, yeah.
1: I think Kickstarter is super empowering for designers, but at the same time, when it's also so much harder than you. Um, so much harder when you go live.
2: Have you guys found? I mean, you're probably sick of this question, but have you guys found anything has changed because of the pandemic? Because I know you guys have been working on this for the past two years. Am I right? Um, have has it sort of hindered your progress or slowed you down in any way at all that you've been able to see?
3: So. Yeah, we were actually due to launch just as the pandemic was kicking off. Um, oh, no. Was in Awful timing. Yeah, everything was in changed People hadn't been furloughed yet, but we were unsure, you know, what, what was going to happen next. And we had no reason, like, good reason that we had to launch then. So we decided to pause. We sort of, you know, waited. Um, and we kept in close contact with the factories to see how, it might affect our production times and, and things like that. And um, yeah, we, we sat and waited. And, and uh, although life's not the same as it was, there is a constant to, for most people now in life. And, and we started to see you know, the online retailers, especially in furniture, were doing well. People are sat at home um, looking around their houses, thinking about what, how they could improve them. Um, and then Kickstarter, you know, there were big projects starting to come back to Kickstarter, and they were doing well. Um, so that alongside, you know, staying in contact with the factories and, and they, they, them starting up again and, um, you know, things looking good, especially with for their online retailers um, and, and not seeing any, you know, in the foreseeable future, not seeing any major impact on the production line. We decided that, yeah, it, would, it was a good time to launch now. Um, and so, yeah, we went for it in the end.
0: Yeah, cool. Uh, how, how, what In terms of if, because you, you chose Portugal, didn't you? for your for your budget was you was that a conscious decision i imagine why portugal what, what what's is, is that
1: just a hub for textiles what, what, what's the reason behind portugal um we, we i guess the the fact guess as i was saying like we the sourcing and finding a factory was, was something we, we kind of gave extra attention and um we've been really lucky to have some like top advice from from a friend called jason with, with this but um uh i guess Like I think forty percent of John Lewis's bedding is Portugal, Uh, so it's like the best terms of like the most premium bedding and like the best bedding tends to come from Portugal. And it's it's not just Portugal; it's it's just a a tiny little town just outside Porto called Guimares. And you've got like me and Luke. The first time we went over with with this team, it's different factories, and it's, it's. like these are huge factories, and then it's dropped in the middle of vineyards. It's like the most beautiful place to visit. I think prior to this, we probably worked you know, industrial designers are usually working with China or mm. in concrete business parks. But in Portugal, it was the most beautiful place to visit. And then they've got this huge reputation for quality. Um, and, and there's something really reassuring about being able to pop over for a weekend so cheaply. So we've been, you know, multiple trips over there. maybe not for
2: Luke (laughs) 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 Uh,
1: but um, yeah I I think we're really proud the factories we found um, Mm. and and visiting them as like like a a mini holiday
3: we Mm. we looked globally we did spend time looking globally we we reviewed prices and and spent a long time researching different factories and in the end we came down between India and Portugal Um, and for Ben and myself as we you know, as we're running this business, it's important to find ethical and sustainable factories as well. So we've searched mm. hard in India for those. Um, by the time we found some good ones, they were uh, getting close to the price of Portugal. Um, and, and we felt that, you know, Portugal, you know, like Ben said, it's if you know, if we can keep closer tabs on, on production, it's easy to fly over for a day to have a meeting if there's any details that need correcting. And and for bedding factories, this. Our product is very inventive. Normally, they're used to stitching two squares together. So, as a as a, as a our design, is, is a lot more complexity. And so, for getting this into production, we felt like you know Portugal was great. We can we can react quicker. We can we can go over and then and they were also willing to be a lot more flexible uh, in order quantities. Um, and, and they had some great sustainable um, sustainable um, fa- factors to them as well. So, yeah, I think. Portugal, we're really proud to be working
0: with. Hmm. So, what makes the color product sustainable? Then, what is it about that process that that makes it sustainable?
3: Yeah, so using Portugal, uh, you know, we're using high quality, high quality, high quality cotton. We've got a long lasting design. So, we don't want a design that we're going to put out there and uh, it breaks, and someone has to buy a new one. You know, we're, we're yeah. using high quality zippers, um, great cotton. So, it's a long lasting design. And then the factories have got lots of different environmental guidelines that they follow. Um, but our factories are ECHOTech certified, so there's no harmful chemicals used in the production of the cotton. Hmm. Um, and uh, different parts of the supply chain are also using like solar and wind power um, and working to minimize the amount of water used. So recycling water in during production as well. Um, aside from that, yeah, it's 100% cotton Nice, and natural material.
0: <laughs> is it is that always a thing from the start is this needs to be sustainable
3: i think yeah it's like obviously ben and i'm designers but like when we talked about starting our own business it you know it, it's something that was important to us um you know if we're going to be putting our ideas out there you know we're not only responsible for the design now you, obviously you're responsible for for its end life if it, but this is our business as well so we wanted to make you know for
0: us, it was important, yeah. Um, yeah, it was weird because on our first episode, we had a chap on who um, was working for LV, and he'd spent mm. some chap with Will when he was over in China for a bit. And we were talking about sustainability and his kind of view on it was that it's one of those kind of great buzz phrases, but the reality is it's one of those things that are used for branding, but the reality is it's probably not as sustainable as what you would think in terms of products being actually kind of to manufacture it's that kind of you put it because it puts an extra zero on the on the product but the reality is it's not actually sustainable i think all.
2: that definitely
3: happens and it's easy to to position yourself as sustainable um mm. depending on what you're doing but i think for us the you know our inventive design and, and a quality product comes first before we start talking about sustainability um mm. you know it, it was more just a personal thing me and Ben,
1: um, <clears throat> and it was a really interesting. When I get there was a really interesting when we first started. We knew wanted we to like inventive bedding, and it was like we we're trying to just get on paper and like, um, what is this brand? What are we trying to chase? What what do we care about? Um, and we had a, had a um, kind of a friend who like um, a guy called Andy Whitlock who specialised in helping companies find these this brands their brand stories. And uh, we uh, super grateful for him for helping us out because we had nothing to show at this time, but we was like, we're going to start a betting company. Um, but the, what, the kind of stuff we're talking about with him and I, I think I get, I get a feeling that, that like, so he's helping startups and big companies work out what they stand for, what's their story. And I, I think, I think they get it a lot of, we knew we cared about sustainability. We're like, is that a brand value? Is that, is that, is that what we want to stand for? Is that, you know, how important is that to us? And I think he kind of like, you know, it can, it can be something that we care for and something that all our products are, but it's not the reason co-exists. Mm. Um, and so he kind of helped us muddle through all these things we care about, but find like actually it's just like, in, you know, inventive bedding and solving these everyday problems. So like that's what you guys love. That's what you're about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a really interesting, like super helpful kind of um, model he helped us out
0: okay cool so now now you've got all this extra money that's come through because you're on 48,000 what do you plan to do with that can you have is it two production lines now because you've got double where, where, does, the, where does that <laughs> yeah. you've got you've got 445 backers that will be listening to this wondering where their money's going so what's the plan
1: so, so just to be completely transparent there's still um, I think at the, a at the moment we're at a point where we'll still be putting in a bit of our own money to get the production line open but it's possible that like we've got this pot of money that we, we've got in the grant that's show sure how much
0: money it does cost though, doesn't it? To, to actually put into production.
1: Was, we're so grateful to people helping us like a huge amount of it has been friends and family when we first launched our Kickstarter and, and to help us all these people, friends and family. And then, and now people, people randomers from the internet, yeah, are yeah. helping us launch our business. I think that so, so grateful. And, um, like the next step, I guess we, we don't actually, the, the dream is to open our online store of in, inventive bedding stuff. Um, okay. and to, to, to do that it still is a leap there's still like a a cash flow gap and we're kind of working our way there um but 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 i guess like that day that we kind of made the funding for our first production and that was super exciting for us you know when you're working Mm. on for two years and you know it can finally be a thing that was really cool yeah what was is that the
0: most exciting moment so far in the journey uh i
1: I think i think it sounds silly but that that grant meant a huge amount to us that was um that was um some celebratory beers and some, some dancing.
4: Doesn't sound silly at all. That sounds realistic. That sounds like the start of like someone enabling your dreams that you've been working hard at to start coming true. If you to turn those dreams into plans and and get going.
0: Have you got any questions, Drew? Because I know you're you're working on kind of a lamp, aren't you, at the minute, and you're trying your own kind of stuff. <laughs>
4: Um, actually, no. I have been thinking about a few things, um, as uh, actually, but um, I be yeah, I'm one of those that, uh, as you guys alluded to earlier, there's a lot of uh, personal projects that are always rattling around in the brain. Uh, I think that's I, uh, the inspiration that I'm taking is like is, is leaning on the right buddy, and I do have a couple in mind, uh, and um, that's, you're all, that's great, what you're giving uh, away. But no, I, I'm uh, circling the drain with one because I just I, I feel like in the in the same way that you guys talked about having similar overlapping skill sets, me and my buddy are very 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 different, uh, and I know that we can sort of lend each other. We've got a very clear division of labor in that way. So I'm just interested in hearing how you guys sort of tackled that and how more about how you yeah I guess your division of labor and your uh, taking on responsibility for that when you are remote even even you know pre-covid madness yeah <laughs> yeah i think uh
3: starting out we weren't very good at it we we fell up on tasks a lot and um you know we weren't the most efficient and i guess at that point there wasn't urgencies in time like you know there was no deadline that we were going to launch on this date yet so we we weren't as efficient as we could be but as we move forwards we both made the conscious decision to to like put more time to coa and, and that was going part time freelancing and, and things like that and, and uh, putting days to coa each week. Um, yeah. we're, you know effectively we're taking a loss on our earnings to do that. And that's when, you know, I think we started sharpening up how we work. And I think it's just been a process of finding finding, you know, who who enjoys what and who is is more effective at doing those different tasks. Um, yeah. and it, it's still times the good thing is that we still both have overlapping skill sets. So if someone can't pick something up because they're busy, the other person picks it up. Um, so there's still a lot of sharing, but I think Ben and I are both designers, but we have had slightly different, um, slightly different roles in design. You know, we both started at Joseph um, on inventive ideas and, and new product innovation. Um, I ended up moving across to design management for a while. So I learned some... Different skills, of, you know, making sure the project meets the right budget and, and the right cost and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I've leaned into those areas, and then Ben's, you know, the learning of marketing has sort of picked that up and, and leaned on, leaned more into those areas. Um, I think it's something we're still learning and finding out, but yeah. definitely getting more defined roles as we move forwards. I think at
1: the beginning, I'd say though, there's, there's a weird thing of what you know, we want to start a company or you know, dinner party. What is it that you, what is it you guys do? When you've got nothing to show for yourself, like no, no brand, not not much of a logo or, you know, like uh, no product to show. That's a really weird time. And like every single task, like you're, you're trying to meet a factory or present yourself really because you really care about a meeting a factory and present yourself really carefully. Or you're, yeah. you know, you're in these scenarios. At, at that point, I think everything we did, it's almost like we were working on stuff together. And, and I, t- I mentioned earlier about like when we did stuff together, we were raising the bar than when we did it separately. But I think it was really important at the beginning because because uh, we didn't have much. We weren't much yet. Um, yeah. So it was, it was, you know, at then, but now I, I think um, the more assets, the more friends who've chipped in to help us get where we are. Um, so we've had um, a really kind school friend of mine. Um, JP's been helping us. He's given like two days a week to help us in marketing um, for the last few months. I mean, it's hugely grateful. So I think we've had friends chip in all over the place and it's really raised the caliber of what we're doing and it's become easier to separate um, and um, it has happened a bit organically. So Luke's been, Luke's got mm. learned to uh, like create some business models and kind of manage cash flow. Slash, I'm leaving him to it. So I hope he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but I think if, if we're about uh, like what we love is inventive products. So hopefully that's the bit we come together and that's the bit we mustn't drop. So hopefully the fact that's where we overlap. Hopefully we both yeah. always get stuck in and, and do that bit.
4: Yeah, I was going to ask, that must be the, like, the real fun bit that you look forward to, especially if you're focused on delivering one product that, I mean, I guess on your horizon, be it near or midterm, you must have like, design workshops coming up and uh, you know, new idea generation sessions and insights work and all of that as well. I, I think there's something about um, we're both designers that's, that um, we both care about it so much.
1: And that's really it. We both have to take each other along with the journey. In a way, it could make it like um'm th- sure it's more of an asset than a than a negative, but I think it can make it more muddled that we 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 really make sure make an extra effort to, to involve each other in the, the journey of a project mm-hmm. uh, so at the very beginning, Luke had been working on this lamp i have been working on this keyboard, but we weren't neither of us were fully invested in the other's projects, so we dropped like years of work to do something together that we're both fully invested in yeah and like I had six months off. Luke was still working. I was in six months in New Zealand. I could have just ploughed on with the project, but the most important thing is that we were fully invested, and we both like really had ownership over what we were working on. And you know, it's both of our babies. And so, if you're doing something together, maybe that's half of it is is taking your team along with the journey. Um, and 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 like, I I think our our inventive our inventive bedding our duvet cover is definitely both of our baby. And I think that's what we put a lot of effort into at the beginning, is making sure we, um, you know, it's, it's both of our thing. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we, we started on the next product. Um, that was like a, the, the quarantine project was a fitted sheet. Um, and like, I guess we make sure that rather than like running off and having a hundred ideas on our own, like, let's, let's kick this off together. Let's, let's, um, let's find problems together. And like the important bits of like where a project comes to life, it's the fun bit for us as designers, and so we make sure we're at least kicking things off together, doing it, and um, maybe we have to make an extra effort because I'm here in London, Luke's in Chicago. Um, How does that work?
3: The physical product is quite hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it worked okay at the beginning. I think uh, Ben would sew something, uh, test it, and then he'd either send it to me or I'd sew, I'd sew the same thing up. Um, and then I test it and and we all forwards like that. And huge that
1: amount of videos and photos, isn't it? Huge amount.
3: Yeah, videos, photos, lots of uh, describing to each other how it, how it's functioning, how it's working, uh, making Ooh. decisions. That. Um, it's, it's the same goes for when we get samples from the factory.
1: I, I, it would be amazing if we ever are in the same room. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've had about two weeks. We're in the same room, and um, they've been really productive weeks. So maybe one day. Yeah. So in because there would be lots of you know, through
0: general lockdown, there'll be lots of people now that they won't be working in the same office as, mm. as colleagues. So what, what advice would you give? Is it, is it generally just plenty of videos and pictures, you know, in terms of collaborating now, what's, what's been working really well for you?
1: Tools. Um, the latest one, Luke, I think Luke found, out, but, but I totally love is Miro. Yeah. Uh, software. That's awesome. Really awesome. It's like whiteboarding, post-it noting online for your browser, Um, but you can like skip, we couldn't let this, this brainstorm we did at the beginning of quarantine. We kicked off on there. So that's only a recent thing. Um, we, we, Slack is, is a weird thing, but like, but there's only two of us, but we have um, a Slack channel for every area of the business running. Mm. So we divide up, like when we're talking about sourcing, it kind of goes into that section of the channel. So maybe we pretend that we have a business of many departments. Um, for some reason dividing up into these sections really helps. Wow, so we do a lot. We love Google Docs. is incredible as for us. I'm sure it is for everyone. But
3: I think yeah, just jumping on the phone as well. We speak to each other daily, um, more, usually more than once. And typing in Slack is good for recording thoughts, but sometimes things can be misread or you know didn't get the, the meaning. And so we're yeah, we're always on the phone as well, chatting and and. Um, and then with its reviewing products, it'll be on video or or sending videos of thoughts and, and how things are working. So yeah, just moving
4: away from text
3: based as well, I think really um,
4: really helps. Yeah, we're using we've got um, WhatsApp groups for our guys uh, for our teams, um, and then there are some that are like the sort of the the little someone. So you know the tone, and you know like uh, as you say, you have got the the different elements of Slack as well. Um, so there's some that are very. Uh, you know it's it's focused on one piece of delivering one piece of work uh, and then there's like the the bit of chat as well i think you've got you, you lose the uh the hangout and you look you forget how much information is shared on the hangouts like just uh, getting coffee mm. so I do that in as well a lot um, and whilst we're all in one we're all in, so we're all pretty remote from one another. Uh, and I was saying to the guys earlier that uh, it, it, it appears that I'll be working from home until Christmas. Nice. Um, so I'm like, okay, right, this isn't just a week-to-week thing anymore. I've got to figure out the uh, the work set up at home um, a bit more permanently. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it does kind of make you, like, have another forced reflection period of, Am I doing this right so far? Uh, is there is there something else I should invest in? Uh, something else I should commit to? Is there a behavioural change I need to make uh, if I'm going to get through another six months of this? Bear in mind we've only done three of that so far.
2: Um,
3: yeah, I I think uh, te- yeah, completely agree with like the just the social hangout. There's a there's an opening there for some kind of. I think like Zoom. I've seen like my my partner works for Mars, the design company, and they have like. A Friday social where they might mm-hmm. do a quiz or and a beer. Um, it's still not quite the same as I think when you're on Zoom, it's a group conversation. You, you can't just have the individual conversations when you're in a group, and yeah like so many things get lost. So,
4: yeah. I think
0: we're all tired of that Thursday quiz now, aren't we?
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've done that for, for years actually as well uh, in our team, like a five for Friday quiz. Um, and if you win it the next week, you have to come up with the five questions. They have to be things that you can't Google uh, and all of that. But actually, since lockdown, people are like just less into it because it used to be like you try and sneak answers. You know, you sort of go for a lap of the office and see if you could see what other people were typing. You can't do that now. So I think most of the fun was just cheating at the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> it's like trying to do it properly. It's, a bit, it's just not quite as engaging. All right, I'm- um, yeah, there's definitely things like that um but yeah we're trying to get a regular um xbox night together of just playing some nba or fifa or something you know something you can pick up and put down mm. um, but again like if you're looking at a screen all day i don't know if i can really be arsed with looking at to hang out with people i'd rather go for a walk out of interesting. what
0: now you're in chicago what, what have you learned about designer in the u.s is it i know you've probably been doing the majority of stuff as Co anyway but have you noticed any differences with what design is like on the other side
3: um yeah it's quite that's a difficult one um
0: oh we only ask difficult questions here
3: <laughs> <laughs> i mean the, the transition from metric to imperial has been a nightmare um yeah. I can't, like, I still struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I spent, I did, uh, I was freelancing quite a lot for Joseph Joseph whilst here. So that, that helps. Uh, We've work in metric, but um, working with more and more US-based companies now. So that, that's real troublesome. Um, but I'm getting there.
1: Um, I'm, I'm super jealous of Luke for the workspace he works in. You should, you should talk about that.
3: Yeah. Um, so Chicago has got a lot of manufacturing around the city um and a few years ago uh, a couple of people set up a, a space an innovation space called m hub um and they had you know a couple of they managed to generate a couple of million investment and it, it's like a professional maker space um yeah. uh, i think there's now like six 600 startups there um amazing facilities a huge space um and i yeah before the lockdown i was working from there daily um but just having that network there was amazing. Um you know,
0: just a different world to to London.
3: And... Yeah, we really need something like it in London. Um yeah. I've never heard of anything like it. Like injection molding machines. Yeah, little injection molding machines. Um the facilities are amazing. I there's <laughs> so many personal projects I want to work on but haven't had the time to 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 do that. Um But, you know, it's a combination of these startups but they're also bringing in in bigger companies that are taking up larger offices because they want to be part of this innovative space. So I don't know if it's properly announced yet, but but I think Google are coming. Um, They're going to have a small office there um, amongst others. So, yeah, it's a really exciting space to be, in. I'll miss that when I go. Um, Hmm. But, yeah, we could do something like it in London, I think. Do
2: you think there's a... Tighter knit community of industrial designers over in the US. I mean, I know it's a bigger country, but maybe in Chicago, as opposed to um, the UK. How would you sort of um, compare them?
3: Um, I think similar to the UK. I think they they really value entrepreneurship over here. Obviously,
2: the American dream. Yeah,
3: it's the American dream, and I, you know, maybe in the UK, you say you're an entrepreneur. To be, <laughs> people might not be as interested or you know over here <laughs> they want to know what you're up to they want to know your story um they want to hear your pitch um so definitely uh, like entrepreneurship is uh more highly regarded maybe or do, you know just there's more interest in it over here so yeah, yeah. but design, design i think a similar amount I've, I've got involved over here in idsa like the industrial designers association they hold events at, at uh at mhub and i've got me quite a few people through that, um, but I think similar to the UK, I think in, in the industry is quite small. It's very easy to know find someone that knows someone that knows someone you know um, yeah. over here, the same as it is in the UK.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, it's what we found doing this actually is that everyone kind of knows everyone, but there wasn't that kind of one central point. If that made sense, um, yeah. So that's why we kind of put things like a podcast there because every every other podcast is mainly US based um so that's what we found um so it's been quite interesting actually putting this together and we put something up and then someone sends me a message saying oh i used to work with that person or you know it's all everyone kind of knows everyone um it's uh, it's
4: friendly as well isn't it like i've i've been i've sort of Bracing myself for someone to go, yeah, I've worked with that guy. and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and but, so, it's, been, it's been very friendly and supportive. It's been very nice.
2: You haven't yeah. seen Brad's messages. I haven't yeah, seen
0: Brad's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. see messages like on LinkedIn.
4: <laughs> so for, uh, for product two, um, aside from the sort of the short-term changes to our environment and culture and all of that type of thing, are there any big things that you think you're going to do differently? Yeah. Um. I, th- I think there's um
1: there's going to be um there's going to be a little itch. I think with like we got we got this friend who's just like nailed launching products on Kickstarter, and, and it is a lot about marketing. Um, but that like you're saying, how, what, where's the next step of our business? It, that would help you leap that kind of like jump that cash flow gap. Mm-hmm. And also, just as a designer, just for like to kind of put something out there that really goes. I think we're going to have that itch, and so maybe we'll look at it from that perspective of like what what have been the challenges this time yeah. um, it, might, it might be a bit critical
3: we've learned so much about kickstarter. we know, we thought well we did know a lot and we thought we knew enough but we didn't know enough about kickstarter we've learned so much this time around and you know we, we're, already, we're already at the moment we're trying to work into the campaign and, 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 and tweak it and make it as effective as possible but I think so
0: what have you learned about kickstarter would you say what are the, the big learnings from it
3: one thing you know, we thought it may be an issue at the beginning but I think it's proven to be a bigger issue than we thought is Kickstarter is not like a normal e-commerce store and you have these pledges on the side. You can only have so many otherwise you know, you just keep scrolling for ages and it's difficult to find what you need. The challenge with bedding is we have, we have one product but there's many SKUs so there's four colors and then there's multiple sizes and trying to make that a smooth process in as many boxes as possible. We've grouped sizes and people will you know, select what they want afterwards Mm. and and group colors and that for an audience that understand Kickstarter, I think has been okay. We've seen good traction from like, you know, Kickstarter based newsletters, but for the outside world, that's been really challenging. You know, even friends and family have been messaging us like, yeah, I I want this exactly. How do I do that? So trying to figure that out, like trying to figure out how we do the next product with, you know, bedding is just so many skews that's going to be a big, uh, area we're going to work into simplifying mean, it might, I guess
1: it could be fun to do something. Um, the do covers about as simple as products get. Um, it's taken us a lot of time to, to learn to join all the dots, but it is a simple product. But to go even simpler, um, because we talked about working with Portugal, like this, yeah, there are there's there's there are like cost challenges in working with Portugal, but we wanted to work with those factories because they, they were the kind of people we wanted to partner with. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of pushed our our launch duvet cover to, to like a really premium price point. And we kind of wonder, is that too premium for Kickstarter or for this idea? Um, it'd be great to come to a really simple product and you could get to a really accessible price point. Um, that, that can, that'd be quite fun to work on. Yeah.
2: From um, like an interior design point of view now, as soon as I saw your product, I thought, and especially after hearing about your uh, story with your grandma, Luke, I um, because I I work for a company who designs for um, care homes, and I thought that would be something that could totally work in that environment. Have you ever thought of sort of maybe, I mean, n- not in the immediate future, but some some time, um, like extending into that market, or has that has that been something that you've thought of?
3: Hundred percent, yeah. It's um, we with this product, we went down the line of like I think saying you know, we wanted to make it better for everyone, and we that the earlier part of the design process was, you know, we focused on those who struggle the most. Um, and we, you know, we've seen great traction and great interest in people that have uh, greater struggles than others. You know, even on you know Facebook comments from from our posts and things, um, people comment. So it's something we we're trying to figure out how the brand works and how it appeals to everyone. But we've already had some interesting uh conversations with retailers that you know retailers that specialize in products for arthritis um and other disabilities so yeah i think for us it's just it's definitely something we want to lean into more and and, um you know test the product and see other ways we can improve it but
1: um but like there's something interesting there though and i'm really excited by that space of um like uh like tools for like i guess I don't know, for people like our grandparents, like some of them can be such horrible products and so unloved, so unconsidered. And and um, there's, there's so few brand, like brands giving proper consideration to these things that um, like we've done a lot of testing with our cover with these different markets, people who, who could like maybe because of a disability that they find out, do they cover really useful? And I think some of the best feedback we had was they just kind of loved how beautiful it was. I think they loved that the marketing was for everyone, not just 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 for like their their niche um yeah so I, I, if there's a way we can I don't know I think that designing for everyone almost made it better for the people who it was really useful for even from just a brand yeah definitely uh yeah I think we'd be excited to exploring these angles um but and and like um so we partnered with Kitty Pool. she's she's a like a really joyful fabric designer um and really loud and um I, I, I get a sense that if anything she, she would have liked to have gone like, more joyful and up, up the colours on our covers um, <laughs> but we, we love what she, the kind of design she did for us but I guess you're talking about like in an elderly care home, I'm like wow that would be really bright in there but at the same time it might be really, it might be really fantastic um,
2: You'd be shocked what we put in our care homes <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, um, Yeah,
0: I think, I think that could be really fun This has been a great marketing session for you guys as well <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, thanks for coming on, um, you guys. Um, so we've got two weeks, haven't we, of this Kickstarter. I'd imagine that this would all be put together in two weeks. So by that point, you'd have probably on, be on the six-figure mark or something like that, fingers crossed. Um, have you got any predictions for the last 14 days of this or 15 days of this Kickstarter? Have you got any or tricks up your sleeve with marketing? Oh, or-
4: that would be fantastic um That'd be amazing. Uh, have you picked out a yacht? Yeah.
0: yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. A bloody dinghy is about what we're
1: going to be we are super grateful for the sport I've been, I've been hounding. I guess I'm particularly on LinkedIn as well. I'm sure you've seen. So super grateful for so many friends and family have supported us
0: uh, in this. How, how have you found LinkedIn as a as a marketing channel? Has it worked for you guys or not?
1: I think so. I think so. I think particularly probably people you work with have kind of know what mad things you you take joy out of designing and doing, and so yeah. a lot of them have backed us and supported us. Mm. Uh, and then also, I guess they really help share it, get a, get a message out.
0: Yeah, I spend an unholy amount of time on LinkedIn. I dread to. I, I'm not going to reveal how much time I spend on LinkedIn, but that's unfortunate part of the uh of the day job, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see that, if, that, um, that it does work for you though. Cause I always find it's quite a, it's a channel that's not really looked at really. It seems quite something that particularly brands, they don't really push LinkedIn as a channel.
1: But for something like us, when it's like quite a personal project and it's mm. like when your connections on LinkedIn, the friends it's it's nice that they help you push something out. I, th- I feel like people do help you share it, help get, get the message out. Um, mm. I, I would say thirty, forty percent could be friends and family, mm.
4: uh, colleagues. I've like always sort of development stories on LinkedIn though, because uh, it's not the type of thing you'd put onto Instagram. That's all about everything being finished and wonderful. Mm. Um, but LinkedIn can be one of those places I think where you know you can talk about the development story, and you know depending on what you're able to share from an IP and NDA point of view. But um, you know the sort of the toils. I think that's an interesting story
3: yeah no, it's about opportunities like this as well like uh, you know it might not be direct sales but it opens up you know other people to speak to or, or you know yeah opens yeah. up other doors
0: well thanks for coming on guys I'll certainly be uh, backing the project at some point this evening thank
3: you so much thanks for your support
0: has
4: been so, really, really interesting thanks guys yeah, so it's really nice to meet you good luck
2: guys good, bye. good bye. luck bye. with everything thanks for having us A big thank you to Ben and Luke from COA for joining us this episode to talk about their exciting new venture. I'm sure being able to cut our bed making time in half is something we'd all love to do. So we really admire them both for coming up with something that benefits everyone. If you're also working on bringing a product to market, especially during this pandemic, we'd love to hear from you. Email us hello at designtruth.co.uk or visit our website www.designtruth.co.uk Thank you all for listening. See you on the next episode.